and welcome to another episode of History Obscura. I am, of course, your host, Mandy Gardner. You may have seen the news this week that the lovely actress Olivia de Havilland, who portrayed Melanie Wilkes in the 1939 hit movie Gone with the Wind, has died at the age of 104. De Havilland was a wonderful person and a great actress, and though she warrants her own episode, her death has inspired me to take out an episode in progress that I have been putting together about the author of the great work, Margaret Mitchell. She wrote, Scarlett O'Hara was not beautiful. And 1,000... Thirty-five pages later, I and millions of other readers had been forever changed. Once upon a time, Margaret Mitchell was a lively young woman. She wrote short stories, found a job working at a newspaper, and enjoyed reading erotica she found in bookshops in New York City. Following an injury that stopped her from working, Mitchell evidently took to writing a long novel simply out of boredom. The novel was painstakingly researched, and over the course of nine years it swelled with character, historical events, cultural revolution, and romance that would eventually be published as The 1000 Page. Gone with the Wind. Now, this part of the story you already know. Once Gone with the Wind was published in 1936, Margaret Mitchell became famous, especially in the city of Atlanta and the southern United States at large. The book has some 30 million copies in print and was only outsold by the Bible. In 1939, the motion picture version of the book was released, featuring not only Olivia de Havilland, but Clark Gable, Vivian Lee, and a host of other amazing actors who brought the epic story to the silver screen. The final part of the story began just a decade later. It was on August 11th of 1949 that Margaret Mitchell crossed Peachtree Street with her husband, John Marsh, on the way to see the movie A Canterbury Tale. Simultaneously, 29-year-old Hugh Gravitt was headed down Peachtree Street to a pharmacy in search of medicine for his stepson, sick at home. The movie-going couple stood near the center of Peachtree Street reportedly jaywalking arm-in-arm when they spotted Gravit's car. Eyewitnesses said the car was traveling north, between 35 and 50 miles per hour, in a 25-mile-per-hour zone. Mitchell started to run to the curb. All of a sudden, Gravit recalls, she snapped loose from him and broke running. I fell plumb across the center line, trying to miss her. When that left wheel grabbed, 
Naturally, that helped swing me to the left. I almost had it stopped. The author and the cab collided, leaving Mrs. Mitchell Marsh crumpled onto her stomach in the street. Gravit watched, horrified, as Atlanta's most beloved literary figure lie there, not moving. An ambulance was called while the stunned driver continued to watch the scene, and, according to Gravit, emergency workers gently checked Margaret's pulse and left her there while they discussed the situation. It all seemed to be happening too slowly for Hugh Gravit, who believed the author, just 48 years old, was dead. She was not. Margaret Mitchell was eventually placed onto a gurney and transported to Grady Memorial Hospital, where she survived for five days without fully regaining consciousness. On August 16th, she died from injuries to her brain. Mitchell was buried at Oakland Cemetery, and when her husband John Marsh died in 1952, he was buried there next to her. In his jail cell, in the days after the accident, Hugh Gravitt cried and prayed. A picture in the newspaper showed him smiling in his cell, but he protested. The photographer had told me a joke, but to the public that picture hurt me. Gravitt was originally charged with drunk driving, speeding, and driving on the wrong side of the road but ultimately was convicted of involuntary manslaughter in November of 1949 and sentenced to 18 months in jail. Gravitt was sent to Bellwood Prison, where he served 10 months and 20 days of his sentence, and upon returning to his job and his home, he found that he had become the most hated person in the city of Atlanta. Gravit received hate mail, threats, and nasty phone calls every year onward on the anniversary of Mitchell's death. He became reclusive and stopped talking to anyone who wanted to report on the accident or himself. A reporter called Gary Pomerantz was able to contact Hugh Gravit in 1991 just before Alexandra Ripley's best-selling sequel to Gone with the Wind, called Scarlet, was about to hit bookstore shelves. He described Gravit, then 71 years old, as reed thin and moving slowly, painfully. His eyes are racked by glaucoma, a hearing device is tucked inside his right ear, and his right knee is often numb as a result of bypass surgery he had on his leg a few years ago. According to Pomerantz, Gravit hoped to die soon. Hugh is quoted as saying, I'd rather it had been me instead of her. Did you know they put me on a chain gang for two months? Did you know that? I guess if I'd had enough time to think about it, after I made time, 
I'd probably have shot myself. I never know when it's going to cross my mind. It won't ever heal. Celestine Sibley, longtime columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, was a friend of Mitchell's. In fact, Sibley reported on the author's funeral for the newspaper, and when reminiscing about her friend, used the more familiar nickname Peggy instead of Margaret. Said Sibley, who passed away in 1999, Peggy was an extremely generous and forgiving woman. She had been darting in and out of that street. She would not have wanted that man to go to prison. The columnist stayed in touch with Gravit until his death in 1994, at the age of 73. Gloria Gravit Mulder, daughter of the driver on that fateful day in 1949, published her own book in 2013 entitled Bargain with the Devil, The Tragedy Behind Gone with the Wind. Here's how the book is described on Amazon.com. This book is not about Scarlet, Rhett, the Civil War, or its aftermath. It's about a bargain made by Margaret Mitchell, the famous author of Gone with the Wind, that eventually led to her death, and how it impacted the life of Hugh Dorsey Gravitt and his family. It's about manipulation, psychopathic behavior, sexual deviance, and murder that was made to look like an accident. False imprisonment, alcoholism, medical malpractice, attempted suicide, the hardship of survival during the Great Depression, moonshining, child abuse, and racism. This book tells about Hugh Gravitt watching the disastrous fire that destroyed the Weinkauf Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia, killing 119 people as mothers threw their babies out windows before jumping to their own death to escape the flames. It tells how this author spent 20 years reading and researching everything she could find about Margaret Mitchell and her husband John Marsh to expose the cover-up and falsehoods surrounding the icon's death. In this book is a photo of her death scene and documents that tell more than any words can ever say. Gloria Gravit Mulder writes that her father was not responsible for Margaret Mitchell's death, but that he was merely a link in a chain of events that led to her death. Furthermore, she claims that it was a conspiracy that saw her father go to prison for accidentally hitting a jaywalker with his vehicle. Furthermore, Mulder posits that the death of Margaret Mitchell was entirely planned by none other than her husband, John Marsh. Well, it's not a piece of writing I can personally recommend, dear listeners, but perhaps the book's primary theme is something we can all appreciate. After all, forgiveness and justice for one's father is certainly a thing to which Scarlett O'Hara would subscribe. And, well, if you're just not sure, 
You can always think about it tomorrow. You can stand it then. After all, tomorrow is another day. Thanks for listening, friends. Please visit our Patreon page for more content or consider supporting the podcast via anchor.fm. Good night. Thank you.